Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, October 13th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a Mississippi doctor provides an update on COVID-19 boosters and bivalent vaccines. Then, an annual CDC survey reveals a rise in teen e-cigarette use. And the documentary Far East, Deep South looks at a Chinese-American family's connection to the Mississippi Delta. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have approved the new COVID-19 booster shot for children as young as five. This updated shot is designed to provide better protection against the newer Omicron variants. The updated shots rolled out last month for those 12 years and older, and now the CDC has approved them for kids 5 to 11 years old. Dr. Otis Gowdy tells our Rhonda Dunaway, Vaccines are still a proven method to prevent severe cases of COVID-19. The risk of getting COVID uh, really outweigh uh, the benefits of, of getting the, the vaccine. People still are uh, having long COVID, symptoms of shortness of breath, fatigue, memory fatigue or brain fog, um, that are some of the side effects from COVID. And we do not know who is at risk of having uh, long COVID symptoms. And so uh, the best way to prevent those types of illnesses is really to get vaccinated uh, and preventing COVID. We also know that people who are over 50, they are at a higher risk of dying from COVID if they were not vaccinated. Um, So that's why it's also important to get vaccinated. I have seen in, in my practice that those people who have been vaccinated and um, do have get COVID are uh, less likely to be hospitalized uh, and less likely to have some of the long-term effects uh, from COVID. That um, actually has no underlying pattern that can just hit anyone at any time, right, if, they, if they've contracted COVID. That's exactly right. Uh, now we're seeing some of some people who have had no health risks, who are healthy, who were not vaccinated um, and get COVID, they could technically still have some of those uh, effects of uh, fatigue, shortness of breath, or some uh, lung scar. 
and we don't know who who is going to be affected accordingly. Uh, So that's why it's so important to get the vaccinations, to get boosted. And this uh, new vaccine uh, that we had, the booster, is more targeted towards the Omicron uh, variant. We are seeing that, uh, you know, as our technologies of these vaccines are improving, we have the different uh, uh, vaccines that are available from the uh, Moderna, the um, uh, the Johnson and Johnson, uh, those are, are, are important. And then getting the booster along with that helps decrease um, the chances of spread and further variances. Are there uh, vaccines available for, say, kids that are uh, in kindergarten? Because, you know, if you live in a mixed generation household, you have elementary kids who are coming home to, you know, octogenarian parents. And I think there's a lot of folks out there that are concerned about getting their kids uh, vaccinated. Um, What is the uh, outlook for kids getting vaccinated and the winter possible winter surge in schools this year? Right. Well, the COVID-19 vaccines are available for anyone age six months or older. Uh, Every person in the country age six or older or any other community uh, are eligible uh, basically to get vaccinated. Six months or older is you're eligible to get vaccinated. What we're seeing now is that, um, yes, we are have transgenerational uh, families and we want to definitely protect our most at-risk population. Those are the young as well as uh, our more mature populations who have more health conditions. And so um, that's where the importance of getting vaccinated in our youth is is very important um, as far as preventing severe illnesses uh, and, you know, and hospitalization and death. So the virus, the Omicron variant, is very contagious. What we're seeing is that it uh, doesn't necessarily mean that someone will go into the hospital if they get uh, the virus. However, they can still get very ill uh, after several weeks. So we're striving to encourage people to get vaccinated so that we decrease the spread. And in our our school age population, that is important to be vaccinated. Um, you know, we have liberated uh, some of the masking, but we still encourage people to wear masks, wash their hands, especially when you're in communities where you're seeing the virus on the rise. Uh, those types of levels of protection are very important to prevent the spread. So uh, before I let you go, um, is there anything else that you feel like our listeners need to know about the uh, upcoming winter Vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and Novavax are available for primary series. The Novavax vaccine is the newest primary series vaccine for fighting COVID. It is based on the familiar vaccine technology. The Novavax vaccine is a protein vaccine, uh, which packages harmless proteins of the COVID-19 virus with an ingredient that stimulates the immune system. This is what typically people have been used to as far as getting a vaccine. And so this is the newest one, the Novavax vaccine. If people are a little bit more familiar with that uh, type of vaccine, it is now available. Uh, The CDC believes the Novavax may be a good option for unvaccinated people 12 and older who are concerned about the mRNA 
technology used in the Pfizer or the Moderna. So there are many options now that are available as we continue to move through uh, these several years of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, Again, please go, you can get the Pfizer, Moderna, or Novavax and have further information about where you can get those free vaccines at vaccine.gov or text 438829 to find places where you can get the vaccine. Dr. Otis Gowdy is a nephrologist at the Internal Medicine Clinic in Meridian. Coming up, an annual CDC survey reveals a rise in teenage e-cigarette use. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The National Youth Tobacco Survey has been a data collection tool on teen tobacco use since 1999. The annual survey by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention polls middle and high school students on their smoking habits. And this year's data indicates more teens are using vape products compared to last year. Results from the survey show that 9.4% of teens in the country are currently using e-cigarette products. That translates to over 2.5 million middle and high school students. Linda Ness is with the CDC. She shares more on the survey's findings with our Michael Guidry. How we conducted the 2022 NYTS um, we had to take into account, you know, um, the different uh, instructional learning models that some students are um, still using. So we conducted this survey um, through a web-based URL, and um, we allowed the students to take the survey uh, wherever they were receiving instructions, such as school, home, or some other location. Can you kind of just briefly describe like some of the things that survey measures? What are the things that you are you're looking for? What's some of the data you're trying to collect? So we collect data on uh, tobacco use behaviors and, you know, other associated factors like their perception of harm, uh, whether they've been exposed to advertising, marketing, um, are there uh, are they exposed to secondhand uh, smoke exposure, secondhand aerosol exposure? So the, the survey is comprehensive and focuses on um, tobacco. Um, however, the report today is only focused on e-cigarettes. What I can tell you is that in our study, the, the, the 2022 data, show that uh, 9.4% of teens, which, uh, which is an estimated 2.55 million uh, middle and high school students, 
currently use e-cigarettes in 2022. I'm looking at it. Uh, there's a breakdown, uh, and I'm guessing the survey asked these teens, you know, uh, straight up what products they use. Um, when when that when when that data is collected. Um, is it, uh, I don't know if it's part of the methodology in the survey, but I mean, are they able to choose any and all the products that they use? Are they limited to kind of, you know, identifying what the, the one they most often use? How do you break down the data on which brands and which types of e-cigarette products they're consuming? So that's a really good question. So I'll start with the brands. Uh, we do ask them a question about what brand in the in the past 30 days what brands did you use and they're able to select more than one and then we follow up with the question well of the brands that you used which one do you usually use and they could only select one and then we do ask them about their device types and what type of device they use and so uh, in the 2022 data in this survey, the most commonly used e-cigarette device type was disposable. Over 55% used a dis- disposable um, device. And then that was followed up by the pre-filled or resellable pods or cartridges and then tanks. And then was the same kind of um, method used for identifying like preferences of flavors and products? Uh, well, we don't ask them about preference. We just ask them what uh, flavors they use. Or, it, well, first we ask them, you know, have you, do you use flavors? And eighty-five uh, percent um, did say that they, or you know, they did report that they use flavored e-cigarettes. And then we ask them which flavors um, they use. And so, overall, the most used flavors were fruit, which is 69%, candy, desserts, or other sweets was 38%, mint was 29%, and menthol was about 26.6%. Anything else about the this survey and the, the data you've collected from it uh, that I haven't asked you about that you're able to kind of, um, any conclusions you're able to draw that you'd like to share? Well, sure, because um, I think... Uh, the thing that is most alarming is the frequency of use. Among those who currently use e-cigarettes, more than one in four use them daily. So the, the daily use uh, is concerning. And more than four in 10 uh, used e-cigarettes on 20 or more days of the past 30 days. So this is an indication that the flavors are attracting them to use e-cigarettes, and then um, they are being addicted with the delivery of the flavored nicotine. Dr. Linda Ness, Chief Epidemiologist with the Office of Smoking and Health at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, thank you so much for, for, for sharing some time with us. Sure, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Coming up, the documentary Far East, Deep South looks at a Chinese-American family's connection to the Mississippi Delta. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB, the number four, car. 
Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It began as a personal journey in search of family roots. Baldwin Chu wanted to be able to tell his daughter where her family came from. He thought the journey would take him to the Far East. But instead, it led to the Deep South, specifically the Mississippi Delta. The product of that journey is the documentary Far East, Deep South, and it's being screened as part of a four-city tour beginning tonight at the Mississippi Museum of Art. Producer Baldwin Chu shares more of his personal journey in making the film with our Michael Gidry. When we started tracing back our lineage, we found ourselves not in China, but we found ourselves in Mississippi in the Deep South. So um, the title of our film is basically about our journey to find our family roots. And instead of taking us back to where most people would think, back to China or somewhere in the Far East, it actually led us multiple generations back into the Mississippi Delta. And can you elaborate on the connection um, that, that your your specific family has, but, but in some ways uh, other Chinese migrants uh, have to the Delta because it's not completely unique. Is that right? Well, it's not unique, but it's uh, it's kind of untold in the rest of the parts of the country. I mean, most people think about early um, Asian Americans to be the Chinese in the gold rush in uh, San Francisco and then turning into the railroads, um, still mostly on the West Coast. And what people have not heard is that um, during that same time in the late 1800s, a lot of Chinese were making their way into Mississippi. Some of them were going there for job opportunities, but a lot of them were also uh, brought there uh, by plantation workers and just the um, just the understanding that um, the Chinese were very efficient and effective when they were in the West Coast. And that that type of uh, experience and that type of um, um, notice uh, was or that was noticeable in, in Mississippi as well. And so, uh, you know, having a personal connection to that history um what kind of uh, emotional response uh, did you have uh, as you kind of uncovered uh, and, and looked deeper at, at these connections to Mississippi and, and, and where those roots started? Uh, what was it like experiencing that journey? Well, definitely, I think emotionally, not just from me, but our entire family, was that the emotions were very mixed. There was a lot of surprise and joy when we found our lineage there just because it was so amazing and to hear some of the stories from the people in that era. But at the same time, it was sad and it was disheartening because we do know the history of the area during that time, late 1800s, uh, early 1900s. Um, and then, you know, not only the not only the history of, you know, segregation or Jim Crow in, in the area, but just the national, um, the effects of the Chinese Exclusion Act, which I think most people in America have not learned about. And even as myself, as a Chinese-American, I never really learned about it until just a few years, maybe a couple of years before I first made it to Mississippi. So I think, um, you know, with, with all that going into Mississippi, I think our family was excited uh, when we heard about some of the things that happened to our family and the previous generations, we were sad. But then to also hear some of the breakthroughs and the, the relationships that they they made with both white and black communities um, was a surprise. And it was it was like, wow, OK, in the midst of all this 
dark history, there was light. And so I think there was, it brought hope to our family at the same time, uh, just seeing that, okay, well, maybe, maybe we can learn from some of these things that happened in the past by understanding our history better. That brings me to um, Far East Deep South. Uh, and you mentioned how the story is in, in large parts untold. What are you hoping to do with, with this documentary? And, and, and how do you view your role uh, in producing this and sharing it as part of, of telling what you say is an untold story? Yeah, I think, you know, after we made this film, well, actually, I should say while we were making this film, we just felt like it was an obligation. It was a, it was something we really need to take into heart as being more than just making a film um, just to make a film. Uh, we felt like we had to bring this into our education system. Um, that's why we went with PBS first. Uh, and that's why we're so glad that uh, MPB is one of the one of the broadcasters of our film. Uh, we signed with educational distribution first and foremost. Um, and right now that's all we're doing right now is educational distribution. And I think it's because when we were growing up, we, we never learned about these things. We didn't we didn't when we would learn about the south we would never hear or understand that we were actually a part of that history as well in the chinese and asian community so as we were learning all this we felt a more connectedness uh, not only to the south but to america in general we felt like hey you know maybe we do belong here you know we go through our entire lives feeling and being told that we are foreigners that we don't belong here um and that's kind of the thing that the asian community has in this country is that we feel like we're perpetually foreign and never really a part of this country. So when we made this discovery, we really learned that, you know, if, uh, if, if we really want that mentality to change, um, not only do, does our community need to be educated on it, but the entire, all communities need to know about our history in America. And I think that will help everybody um, have a better sense of unity, have a better sense of belonging. Um, and I think we could, we could get along a whole lot better if we understood our place. And that brings me to what's bringing you to Mississippi. Uh, there is a uh, a four-city tour um, beginning in Jackson at the Mississippi Museum of Art uh, and then hitting Vicksburg, the University of Mississippi, and then finally Memphis. What does it mean to come to Mississippi and share this film, uh, this story, uh, and, and your part of I mean, and your family's story with the, these communities in Mississippi? You know, I feel like I'm coming home. I feel like um, I was, you know, when we when we came out there for the first time and then for multiple times to continue our research and to meet with more people, we always felt so accepted and welcome there. We, we, we knew that we were outsiders, not because we were Chinese-American, but we felt like we were outsiders because we were Californians. And it was funny how, like, everyone would welcome us, uh, even though we knew that we were different. Um, but they, they didn't make us feel different because – the areas that we had been in that we were going to in Mississippi, they had seen and had had community had community and relationships with the Chinese community already. So they weren't not used to, you know, they they were used to seeing a face like ours. But um, so after you know developing all these relationships, after learning more about our history, after understanding so much more about the dynamics of the times and the cultures, coming back now is kind of like coming home. I, I've been gone for a couple of years because of COVID. You know, we. We were hoping to have come back to Mississippi for the Oxford Film Festival, which we won a couple of years ago, but um, that was during COVID and we were virtual and we didn't get to have that homecoming uh, back in 2020 that we were hoping to have. So 
uh, to be able to finally travel again and make it out to Mississippi, I, I do feel like it is a homecoming. Baldwin Jew, producer of Far East, Deep South, uh, thank you for sharing this with us, and uh, we wish you well on your, on your four-city Mississippi journey. Thank you very much. More information on the four-city screening tour can be found at fareastdeepsouth.com. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.